This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Actios Today. It's Wednesday, June 16th. I'm Nyla Boudin. Here's how we're making you smarter today. More evidence of COVID's long-term effects. Plus, the new corporate must-have, the company retreat. But first, today's one big thing, behind the scenes of Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin's big meeting. Later today, President Biden will meet Russian President Vladimir Putin. This will be the first meeting between the two since Biden took office. What's it going to be like inside that room? Well, we have two people with a lot of experience inside that room. Our managing editor of politics, Margaret Taleb, and our political editor, Glenn Johnson. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning, Nyla. When I say inside the room, Glenn, you've actually been in this situation before. I had the unique circumstance of having uh, the opportunity to work for the Secretary of State for four years from 2013 to 2017. So I traveled all around the world with John Kerry. And among those travels were five trips to Russia. And on almost all of them, we met with President Putin. Margaret, what about you? I've been right outside the room, waiting to try to get into the room, and then have had the once-was-enough-in-a-lifetime experience of a joint news conference with the U.S. President and Vladimir Putin after such a summit. And of course, I'm talking about Helsinki, summer of 2018, where President Trump came out, stood alongside Vladimir Putin, and said he had talked to the Russian leader and had no reason to believe he'd interfered in U.S. elections. Glenn, let's talk tactics. What do we think will be engaged in this conversation? President Putin, former KGB officer, is famous for trying to disarm his counterparts by showing up or calling them into the Kremlin very late for a meeting. Then when they finally do get in in front of he begins with this airing of grievances where he talks about there's not enough respect paid to Russia for its tremendous loss of life uh, in World War II. He'll talk about the, the war in Afghanistan. And so this thing has the effect of lulling them or taking the edge off of them when you're ready to run onto the field and hit somebody. All of a sudden, you're sitting on the sidelines for quite a while. So that's one tactic. And interestingly enough, what the Biden administration did was they simply said, we're not showing up at the venue until the Russian president is there. So they took one tool, at least out of Vladimir Putin's playbook. Margaret, what does President Biden want to get out of this meeting? He wants, of course, to get Russia to stop interfering in U.S. elections. He wants Russia to stop allowing the kind of cyber hacking, massive cyber hacking that we're seeing going on. And he would like to see Russia cool it with Ukraine and aggressions in that region and see if there's any common ground on things like nuclear nonproliferation or climate change or trying to stabilize the Middle East, potential areas where they could cooperate. Glenn, what about President Putin? What does he want? 
I think he gets a lot of what he wants just when he steps off the plane and then into the room with the president of the United States. He's facing some real domestic headwinds in Russia. There's been a real criticism of uh, his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Obviously, the Navalny situation where he's put one of his prime critics in jail has brought a lot of international scorn on him. And a lot of that instantly goes away when he steps up side by side with the president of the United States. Not only does it confer some stature on him, but it also allows him to turn the page or distract from the domestic issues that have really been plaguing him. How do we decode what is said after the meeting in the news conference? The White House did not want to do a joint news conference because that's a chance both for the Russians to relitigate what happened behind closed doors and also for President Putin to put a spin on it that puts President Biden in a corner. So they're going to go consecutively with President Putin going first. You know, they both have uh, a real decision to make, which is how much do you disclose about what was said in the privacy of that meeting? And there's another question, which is inside that meeting, how much is directly said or directly threatened? How much is implied? So I think the news conference is afterwards are, to an extent, they are a show. They are what both sides want to message uh, publicly. There's, in the part of the U.S. administration, a feeling that the less that's said in public and the less show and flash and bang there is around this, the more that anything's possible might actually be possible. Margaret Talib is Exorcist Managing Editor for Politics. Glenn Johnson is our Politics Editor. Thank you both. Thanks, Marla. In 15 seconds, new grim data about the long-term effects of COVID. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. About one out of four people infected with COVID had one or more new or persistent medical conditions a month after they were first infected. Axios's Marisa Fernandez has what you need to know about this new study that's the largest to date of COVID patients. Marisa, what's the big takeaway from this new research? Good morning. I think what is most surprising about this is that these long haulers or these people who have been diagnosed with COVID are still having a range of symptoms. This is just affecting not only people with severe COVID, but people who had mild or asymptomatic illness. And when we say this is affecting them, what kind of things are we talking about? So this can be anything from brain fog, fatigue, depression, anxiety. Still, people are experiencing, you know, months and months later with uh, a lack of taste and smell. This is nearly 2 million people who have been recorded in this white paper study. There can also be heightened heart rate, heart murmurs, lots of other serious things that doctors are trying to look for. Does this study then raise more questions than provide answers, it sounds like? 
I think this study signals how puzzling this illness is for researchers. Many Americans in this country are understandably ready to move past this dark period that we've been experiencing, but that hasn't been possible for some of those who've been living with an range of symptoms and researchers and scientists and even long COVID survivors who have turned into advocates, you know, will tell you there is still not a diagnostic code for people with long COVID or even that health insurers don't know how to bill these survivors yet. It's just like a whole process that we really haven't hashed out yet. Exorcist Healthcare reporter Marisa Fernandez. Thanks, Marisa. Thank you. The pandemic taught many of us, including our podcast, Axios Today, that we can do all of our work from home remotely. But It's also really hard to have a company culture when you're not physically together, which is why Axios' Ryan Walsh has been researching the rise of the company retreat. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Brian, I think people used to make fun of company retreats, but how has the pandemic changed the role of retreats and gathering together? Corporate retreats went from something that was nice to have, even something that I think a lot of employees probably dreaded, to something you you really have to have in the age of, of hybrid and remote work. And that's because if you're not getting that corporate culture by osmosis just by being in the office day in, day out, which I think is going to be the case for a lot of workers going forward, you need to find a place where people can spend face-to-face time together in a concentrated environment. At this moment, it's particularly important for like those people who were hired during the pandemic to get a chance to do this because... They haven't met a lot of their coworkers at all. So what are we seeing from companies with white-collar workers on this front? Salesforce's CEO, Mark Benioff, he thinks that it might be a good idea for the company to actually buy a retreat somewhere, buy a ranch, and actually just have that as an ongoing place where employees can go work together, form culture, form bonds, and just have that as an ongoing thing. To me, that's a really innovative way to do it. I mean, not many companies have the budget or the wherewithal to actually buy their own ranch, I assume, and that probably includes Axios, unfortunately. Okay, Jim Vandehei, Axios CEO, if you're listening, you heard it from Brian Walsh first. We want you to buy a ranch for us. Axios is future correspondent, Brian Walsh. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. One final thing before we go. Last night, the U.S. Senate passed a bill to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. The bill now heads to the House. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be talking about the significance of the day with author Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.